the tastemakers agree pumpkin spice is out and it's replaced by a new flavor combination could it be uh, apples and cinnamon no vanilla and lavender no it's kicking back and taking care of yourself hmm welcome to the empty bowl a meditative podcast about cereal my name is Justin McElroy, and I'm a cereal enthusiast. My name is Dan Gobert, and I am a cereal word... You got this, Dan. You got this. Generator. Sorry, there was a the glitch in the system there. I was running, <laughs> out, running out of batteries on my old word processor. <laughs> that is my brain, yeah. of course. Yeah, um, it's been a couple weeks, so of course there's lots of uh, really great cereal news all over I'm sure it's just littered around you in massive piles um what a what a a, we're gonna talk on this show about cereal that's gonna be part of it we're gonna do reviews we're gonna do news the latest happenings in the world of cereal um and then we'll have some fun too we'll cut loose the first thing Dan that I wanted to get the the scoop on uh is uh well I do not want to wait any longer <laughs> for this first news story. So yeah, I think it was a couple weeks ago we talked about a Krispy Kreme cereal that came from Mexico, but now the tables have turned and cereal is headed to Krispy Kreme because Whoa. the the fine donateers over at Krispy Kreme are releasing or rolling out rather uh, cinnamon toast crunch cinnamon rolls. And I'm I'm kind of bitter, bitter about this one already because I went to my local Krispy Kreme only to find that the tray where these were supposed to be was you know completely empty save for a few sad s- strewn pieces of cinnamon toast crunch that were sitting there, taunting Oof. me. Uh, but granted, I did go later in the night, and granted, I still did get donuts, and I still got to wear the little paper Krispy Kreme hat. So That's huge. it wasn't a net negative, but. The, the actual cinnamon roll itself is pretty straightforward. I mean, it's really hard to understand or comprehend what sets like a cinnamon toast crunch flavored cinnamon thing apart from something that is just, you know, functioning as intended when it comes to a cinnamon roll that tastes like cinnamon. Um, but they are strewn atop with cinnamon toast crunch pieces. So I do think it is an interesting, uh, you know, cinnamon inception sinception level of thinking when you have these swirled squares that are on top of this actual doughy pastry swirl Uh, Mm. it's enough to hypnotize you so that might be why they all sold out before i could get there so here's how to be continued i'm sure you'll be Mm -hmm. back in your local krispy kreme they can't keep one of those open here in my neck of the woods we're jolly pirate town and that's all anybody's got an interest in. You know, I, I, I attribute it to the, the Krispy Kreme hot light apparently not meaning anything anymore. Oh, really? Yeah, I have some friends who went there when the light was on, and now it's apparently just a light. <laughs> it doesn't oh. have the same symbolic value of the fresh no, donut it's just appeal. Just plain old illumination, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we have uh, sort of some, a mixed story to it also about... Uh, one of those wow this is exciting it, 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 where the brakes are instantly pumped 
for multiple for multiple reasons in this case. Right. So there's these interest this interesting pair of Universal Studios branded cereals that have been popping up uh, on British shelves, and I don't haven't heard of them coming to America yet, but it might be okay. Well, I mean, it is first interesting that this is a British exclusive cereal that's based oddly on two classic American blockbuster movies. Yeah. Uh, but first, you've got a Jaws feeding time cereal, which has these multi-grain pieces that are shaped like sharks and starfish. You know, the classic villainous shark starfish from the movie that aided Jaws in taking Remember down those great his, his antagonists from the movie several angry goldfish yeah so uh, starfish that flew at him like shuriken and took him down um, <laughs> but you know not too exciting of a serial premise and then it's also flanked by a back to the future serial which is even less relevantly tied to the movie because it just says in really big letters multi-grain chocolate balls and I'm not like a back to the future historian uh, I have seen the movies and I don't really remember any instance where multi-grain chocolate balls played a pivotal role or even could be plausibly tied to any uh, key events from the films or characters yeah. So what you get from this is basically what's looking like the British equivalent of like the Funko Pop cereals where right. it's just slapping a pretty face on a generic cereal and sort of banking on people buying it for that brand recognition alone. These could probably be probably be cool wall decorations if you want to keep the boxes for that reason, but I think this is more of a, a cereal novelty that I'm okay to witness through my computer screen rather than you know shelling out the the blockbuster dollars to to get right. it shipped stateside uh, let's see here oh another uh, another licensed serial uh, that I'm sure will thrill yeah so there are a few new Kellogg serial releases to share today though we'd certainly be remiss not to note how in recent news, there are, you know, at least the time of recording, 1,400 Kellogg's factory workers who are currently on strike across the country in Pennsylvania, Omaha, Memphis, as well as Battle Creek, of course, home of Kellogg's and very close to home for me. So these workers are on strike fighting for quality health care, retirement benefits, reasonable working hours, and so much more. So... While we do love cereal on this show, we do know that no crunchy breakfast stuff is more important than the rights and livelihood of the people who work hard so we can actually enjoy the stuff. Yep. Uh, so we try our best, you know, to avoid bad vibes on this show, and it certainly is not good that these workers have to fight so hard for what they deserve, but it's also a good thing that they are able to stand together, be brave, unionized, and united, and give us this chance to better reflect on and appreciate the faces behind our food. Um, that said, we will do our journalistic diligence in sharing new Kellogg's product news, uh, but we do encourage you to join us in standing with these striking Kellogg's workers by avoiding Kellogg's purchases until they're able to negotiate a better deal. Uh, at least as of right now, the union hasn't announced a formal boycott, but has stated that shoppers can stand with the strikers by doing so. So... Both of the things that we have to talk about today won't be releasing until December, so hopefully an agreement can be reached by then. But nevertheless, yeah. a picket line's a picket line, so this would be a good chance also, as I had mentioned on social media, to 
check out and support any number of indie cereal makers that we've mentioned on the show, like Off Limits, Magic Spoon, Three Wishes, all good small businesses that we support. Um, but anyway, circling back to the actual uh, cereal product news at hand here, Kellogg's is teaming up with... <laughs> this is a... All that being said, get ready for some nondescript chocolate balls. <laughs> exactly. Uh, another one for the camp of chocolate multigrain balls here. We have Kellogg's teaming up with Wendy's, of all places, to drop a cereal based on the fast food chain's chocolate Frosties milkshakes. Um... And, you know, I think this is the first cereal from a fast food chain altogether, as far as I can remember. Um, mm, yeah, that springs to mind. I mean. Granted, I can't think of all that many opportunities for a fast food chain to really capitalize yeah. on a cereal. I mean, maybe time. McDonald's Land cookies all crumbled up into a bowl. Yeah, mm, or like... That good cereal. A McFlurry cereal, but that would surely break down all the machinery used to create it. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, as you had mentioned, this Wendy's Frosty cereal, it talks a big game with its box art. It is very big and vibrant. You got the big old disembodied Wendy head there herself. Um, But the cereal looks almost exactly like the Elf on the Shelf hot cocoa cereal that we basically, uh, you know, tore down in terms of concept in our last episode just because they've got those little capsuled marbits that just like to sneak in between your teeth and be really chewy and not too pleasant and you know I'm, I would almost borderline boycott the cereal for mar- marbit based reasons alone so you know between now and December there might be enough time for them to retool this one but I wish they would put as much thought and energy into the actual conception of the cereal as they do the, the ideation phase you know yeah um, yeah, here's hoping. And, uh, we have another, well, I, you know what? I can't parse this. It, is this cereal or Pop-Tarts? It is a Pop-Tart that is based on a frozen waffle brand, so. That, that was, uh, that was also a cereal. Yes. So this is yes. basically a, a holy triumvirate of yeah whimsical breakfast passions all coming together. Uh, as these are Eggo Frosted Maple Syrup Flavored Pop-Tarts. Um, you know, ostensibly on the surface, I think this is a pretty good idea for a Pop-Tart, just because maple is one of those flavors that hasn't really been given enough of the Pop-Tart treatment. I was doing some research, and there have been two maple-themed Pop-Tarts. We had the the Oatmeal Delights line of Pop-Tarts, which included a frosted maple brown sugar, uh, but those were not around for very long and just got discontinued. And I think the only time I ever actually tried these was by buying a dusty box of them from like a grocery outlet store. And of course it did not maintain the same crispness and ingenuity of flavor that I was looking for. And then there were also uh, maple bacon Pop-Tarts, which were absolutely completely tarnished by the bacon component altogether. Uh, So at least we're finally getting a pure maple-flavored Pop-Tart here. Um, Maple being up there with honey, I think, is another Pop-Tart that has been very underexplored. In the case of honey, actually not explored altogether. Um, But yeah, this is... 
a good step in terms of maple recognition in the, the toaster pastry aisle. I think they probably could have gone a little further based on the box art here in making the actual Pop-Tarts look like Eggo waffles. Mm-hmm. Like, what if they were to release the first ever circular Pop-Tart? Think about it. A Pop-Tart's uncrustable, an unpoppable, unstoppable. Do we have the technology? I mean, is it even possible? <laughs> Who knows, man, but... That's what we got to look forward to in the Pop-Tart aisle, I guess. <laughs> um, you know what I'm looking forward to is getting all of your thoughts on the latest entry in the Toast Crunch line. Apple Pie Toast Crunch. I know, wait, you know what? Just for this, I, because uh, I'm so excited, I went ahead and made myself a nice slice of Apple <laughs> Pie Toast. <laughs> I've been enjoying here in, in anticipation to see if the cereal can live up. Now, how how would you theoretically construct an apple pie toast? What I would probably do is make apple butter and then put it on toast. Mm. Okay. That would probably be my my uh, method. Yeah, I was picturing either making a pie with toast as the crust, or perhaps making an actual full pie, chucking it into a blender, and then using it like apple butter. Uh mm. <laughs> Either way, it would probably taste pretty good, to be honest. That's, uh, have you, have you found Apple Pie Toast Crunch yet? I have not seen it yet, no. Yeah, I've had, uh, I've heard people not being able to find it in stores too well yet. The only place that I was able to track it down from was Sam's Club's website, where they are currently selling a two-pack where you can get Apple Pie Toast Crunch, as well as Dulce de Leche Toast Crunch, inside of one box. So, if you want to try everything new that the Toast Crunch family the Toast Crunch Dynasty has an offer uh, that's probably a good way to, to get yourself caught up. And I would especially recommend it because Apple Pie Toast Crunch is so good. Like, Is it good? It's, it's, it's what cereal needed this year. I was looking back through every cereal that I've reviewed in 2021, and like compared it's to previous years, there haven't really been that many standout stars. And I think Apple Pie Toast Crunch is more than poised to... If not top, then be near the top of 2021's year-end list of best cereals. Wow. Um, Just because it's kind of a no-brainer. Like, when you're designing a new Toast Crunch cereal, obviously you can go in any direction possible, and they have gone in many directions before. But something like Apple is so iconically paired with cinnamon already in Mm -hmm. other breakfast products, whether you're talking about Apple Jacks or... Uh, cinnamon apple Quaker oatmeal or something like that. It's just a recognizable pairing that, I mean, it's already been done well within the Toast Crunch family with apple cinnamon Toast Crunch, which was, you know, almost exactly the same as apple pie Toast Crunch, except using the bread-shaped pieces, because we are back to the squares in apple pie Toast Crunch here. But as much as I was worried that piece shape might have an effect on my ultimate enjoyment of apple pie Toast Crunch, I just found it to be a lovely bowlful altogether. Um, Would you prefer the pieces, the toast-shaped pieces? I like them aesthetically, flavor-wise, though. Do you, do you prefer the toast or the you know the rice squares, or would you rather have the the bread-shaped pieces? I would lean towards the bread-shaped ones, assuming that they're going to still powder dust them. Because when you have something like the most recent incarnation of French Toast Crunch... Uh, that doesn't mm. have any flavor dusting on it, so it kind of lets the, the corn base of the bread-shaped pieces shine through a little too much for my taste. 
But back when they did like the tiny toast and the apple cinnamon toast crunch, those things were absolutely chock full of flavor blasted fun and it made it impossible to really detect the corn elements. Instead, you just got this denser crunch and of course, cute overall design that I think would have worked well here. Uh, but you know, that's that's probably my only complaint is a is a what if type situation when in reality, you know, you really do get these sort of caramelized golden brown cinnamon appleiness that is in an actual slice of apple pie. So I think it's a nice touch of indulgent authenticity with this cereal. And unless you are like a cartoon character who got burned by a slice of apple pie swiped from a window before it was cool. And I am. And our, we, we've all been there, to be honest. But if you're still holding that grudge, maybe you wouldn't like this cereal. But for everyone else, this is like a universally lovable leveling up of Cinnamon Toast Crunch that I think the Dulce de Leche was trying to be. That one just yeah. seemed like it was sort of hitting you over the head with just sweetness, sweetness, sweetness. It was, co- it was good. It was close. It was good. I like that one maybe a little bit more than you do, I think. Yeah, I got to give it to Apple Pie, though. This is, you know... It's the apple of my What own. kind of apple flavor are we looking at here? Are we thinking more like uh, like you would get in uh, eat that f- sort of like uh, a Jolly Rancher apple that you were getting with like the right the checks recently, or what kind of what kind of apple are we looking at? That's a very good comparison because I was uh, mentioning it in comparison to the the checks in my review as well. Whereas I think that one did feel a bit more synthetic. I was almost getting like apple cinnamon candle vibes from the checks. Uh, but here it feels a lot more like an actual apple butter. Um, so that's the highest right compliment on. I can pay it. So I would recommend that's seeking it. this one out. Uh, let's see here. Okay, Dan, this one kind of caught me off guard. Tell me about Japanese cornflakes. Yeah, this was a late ad. Uh, I got an email from a listener named Maji, and she was very excited. She she immediately needed my address so that she could send me these Japanese cereals, and of course I would oblige. Who can turn down uh, a surprise, you know, re- request for cereal delivery in your inbox? And they arrived. These two flavors of, I think the brand is called Sekoma uh, cornflakes, and they come in these nice little pristine bags, like bags of chips, which is something I now will heartily endorse. Not that, you know, Malto Meal hasn't been doing the bagged cereal game for a long time, but the idea yeah. of, like, a cereal packaged in the exact same proportion as, like, Doritos or Lay's or otherwise makes it very conducive to just, you know, walking around the house and eating them by the dry handful, which is something that you will definitely do with these cornflakes because... They're really good. Um, so she sent me both the original sugar-coated as well as the milk cocoa varieties. And from just a base flake perspective, these kind of reflect like a mastery of craft. They are denser, sturdier, crunchier, and thicker than frosted flakes, which I really, really enjoyed. They got a nice buttery sheen to them too, which is uh, you know, something that all great cereals do. Um, so the, the actual sugar-coated ones were very good, but the milk cocoa really impressed me just because it wasn't any mere dusting of just, you know, generic, almost chemically cocoa flavor, but instead it was very creamy and indeed very milky, 
and it has this interesting way of building on itself the more that you eat these cornflakes to the point where it eventually starts to develop this undertone that reminded me of chocolate ice cream. So if you're able to somehow get your hands on Sekoma brand Japanese cornflakes in sugar or milk cocoa variety, I highly recommend that you do so just for a good look at what a very basic cereal superbly executed can taste like. I'm so frustrated that now I have to have another country that I'm jealous of when it comes to cereal. First it was Mexico, now this. And of course, South Korea, their Oreos are fantastic. Yeah, I mean, maybe the maybe America's days as the, the cereal capital of the world are past their peak. We might have to lo- relocate abroad to continue this show. Dan, please don't say <laughs> This show... The Empty Bowl celebrates nothing if not American exceptionalism. <laughs> we can't, we can't sacrifice that most precious value at this point in our in our history. Um, we asked you for uh, <laughs> in one of our more esoteric entries. We asked you to uh, come up with a cereal based on your hometown uh, or where you're currently living now, and this is what you did with that admittedly pretty bizarre prompt. Hi, folks. This is Jane, she, her, calling from the little town of Redlands, about an hour east of L.A. on a good day, right on the edge of the desert. Our town has an orange farming history, so the first flavor in my hometown cereal would be orange, and the orange pieces would be little rings. The second flavor would be cactus. Trust me, it's delicious. And it's the perfect cooling counterpoint to something sweet like orange. And those pieces would be shaped like little cactuses. Tie it all together with some milk, and you've got a perfect cereal. Hello, Dan and Justin. This is Elena from Finland. And for a cereal based on Finland, I feel like salmiakki, also known as salty licorice, flavor would be interesting. Salmiakki is a very popular candy in Finland and other Nordic countries. And to be honest, I am somewhat surprised there isn't already a salmiakki cereal, as we have had so many different salmiakki flavored products ranging from chocolate to chicken wings already. Thank you for the podcast. It is very interesting to listen to, even if I don't have a way to taste the things you talk about. Hey, Dan and Justin. My name is Danny, and I live in New Orleans, Louisiana. I think that a cereal inspired by New Orleans should be inspired by the best treat in the city, the fried delicious beignet. The cereal could have little square or squircle, square circle uh, pieces of cereal with a sweet kind of frosting on top, something that maybe looks like a mini Pop-Tart. But there would be something inside the pieces that would turn the milk blue because the absolute best place to eat a beignet is on the Mississippi River in the French Quarter. Thanks for your podcast. 
You know, that's so interesting, this idea of a uh, of a beignet cereal. It's weird. I mean, it seems like right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had said this was an esoteric question, but far and away, this was the most popular question we've ever asked on this show. Really? There were dozens of responses, and many of them were very good, so it was very difficult to pick. That's so interesting. I, you know, the uh, the salted black licorice is something that I've I've... Oh man, it was a long time ago. I was at uh, one of the video game shows, like it was probably E three, in Los Angeles, and there was a developer there that is since shuttered called Grin, from Finland, and they um they had that they may not have been this from a Scandinavian country, um, and they had that in a big bowl, and they were kind of daring people to try it, and you know what? At first it's rough, <laughs> and then it's pretty bad, but then eventually you're kind of like I don't know. It's sort of like getting a tattoo or eventually you're like, I don't mind this so much. Right. I'm okay with this level. I can handle this. Yeah, I'm surprised that like everyone in Finland likes black licorice so much since I always feel like it's one of those cilantro-like genetic predisposition flavors where yeah. I'm just destined to never like it. But that's just me. Um, Do you have any questions you'd like to pose to the, to the listeners? I am interested first to see what cereal you would base on your hometown. I mean, we have a lot of food here, but it's all, like, it would be very weird to, like, we have a lot of food festivals, like, we have Chili Fest, the Hot Dog Festival, um, our sort of, like, state food is the pepperoni roll, Ooh. but, like, nothing that, yeah, right? Like, nothing that would be a good, uh, yeah, I don't know, that, that wouldn't be a bizarre, um, uh, cereal choice. Hmm. Uh, what it, what about you? I know that you're you're sort of in cereal country up there. That's true. Um, I would think for the greater Grand Rapids area in Michigan is very well known for its abundance of breweries. So I would think like a, a milk stout cereal Ooh, would be something. That's nice. That could actually be really good. Get the folks from Dunkin' who convinced the cereal makers to put caffeine in cereal to make this cereal and we could have the first you know, alcoholic cereal, I guess. Sounds like a bad idea, but if I was if I was gonna go outside of flavors, maybe a Mothman cereal Ooh. would be cool for West Virginia. Like with like different red red uh you know, berry pieces for eyes and then like white moth wings in there for uh the, the marshmallows, who knows? Okay, then that means we get to have a, a Michigan dog man cereal based on our own local <laughs> cryptid. <laughs> Uh, we have another one in West Virginia called the Booger Cat. Oh, I love that. Out, yeah, it turned out to just be a wolf. Aww. <laughs> That's the story of that one. Um, I do have a question for okay. our next episode. This one might be a little bit abstract as well, but if you were the president, the king, the god emperor of cereal, what would your first decree be? If you could state, you know, if you could make a rule or a ruling that all cereal makers must follow... What would you want? Ooh, um, boy, that's a tough one. Okay, so if you want to answer that question, I was just started like bloviating about it. Uh, if you want to answer that question, you can uh, send a message to our uh, our website. Basically, you go to bold.res, you see a little button that says leave a message. Ideally, you've plugged a microphone into your computer and you're doing it that way. Your phone will work too, whatever, we're not picky. Um, just, just go answer that question. Speaking of questions, we have one here from uh, Ricky, who appropriately enough starts out the email 
Hey guys, this is Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> I was curious if you've ever done a segment on the proper steeping time of milk. I know, for example, when you pour into a bowl of frosted flakes, pour milk into a bowl of frosted flakes, mini wheats, <laughs> it's a bit longer of a steep than pouring milk into a bowl of, let's say, Rice Krispies. And I'd love to know if you think this is a proper time for any specific cereal or any, uh, even just cereal in general. Thanks so much for everything. And it doesn't say Ricky at the end, but you have to assume it's Ricky still. Oh, man. I feel like this is a really good question that I almost feel like we haven't touched on before. Just because it feels like cereal sogginess versus crispiness is such a deeply individual preference. Yeah, it's very personal, right? Do you want to start by stating your preference? I have never, to my recollection, I have never willingly waited on consuming cereal. (laughs) That's true. It's hard. It, like it, there may be some that I can appreciate have become more or less appetizing, but I've never sat there and said I'm going to wait until this is perfect mm-hmm. like, ever in my entire life. If there's cereal, I'm probably just gonna go ahead and eat it. That is something, especially for like Rice Krispies, where on the one hand it's one of the ones you need to eat the fastest because it will get soggy the fastest. But also the whole thing is like, put your ear right next to the bowl, listen to how outstanding it is when these. Rice Krispies get milk on them and crackle and sing for you, but like that's precious anti-sog time that you're wasting. Um, so I don't really know how I feel about that catch twenty-two. Yeah. But I think uh-huh. I personally, I prefer to take like an iceberg-esque approach, where I do genuinely enjoy the texture and taste of milk sodden cereal or milked down mm. cereal, if you will. Yeah. But I don't want it all to be soggy. There's got to be some sort of contrast there. That's what magic mm-hmm. mouth feel means to me. Um, so I would say like, you know, like an iceberg, maybe like two thirds to three fourths of the cereal being soggy while the top remains crisp, which I think depends more, depends less on the amount of time that you leave it to steep and more, I guess, on the amount of milk that you pour in in the first place. Yeah. Because when you pour the milk, there's a certain moment where the cereal begins to rise, you know, when it's displaced. And I think at or right before that key critical moment is where I like to stop to ensure that there is enough cereal that has not touched milk yet that it will remain crisp while, you know, the, 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 the sopping nether region will, you know, get its due diligence, its due dairy diligence. Um, But then there are things like frosted mini-wheats, very true, that require a bit more time. But when you hit that magic moment with those, it gets to the point where it's almost all crispy on the outside, but then you bite into it, and there is a a fruit gushers effect almost of bursting milk that I also (laughs) enjoy as well. Which is why filled cereals are a genius concept, because it allows a vacuum for milk to enter and stay like that. but ultimately, I don't know if there's a hard science to determining milk steeping. I think you need to look deep inside of yourself into the, you know, milk-filled crevasse inside of all of us where your heart exists and mm-hmm. decide just how soggy do you want it. <laughs> and some cereals, I will say, hold up better to being soggy. Like, I, my kids will often leave behind, like, a half-finished bowl of Rice Krispies. And even like not super cold and pretty mushy, that goes down pretty good. Like that still goes down. But if you get like a marshmallowy one, like a um, uh, well, I mean any sort of um, 
mm, the monster cereals, for example, you know, uh, uh, where they've used sort of a cheaper thing. Um, it, it, it expands in a real mm. gooshy way that I'm not crazy about. Yeah. I'm not a fan. Um, yeah. There's also the case of like, if you're getting the last bowl out of a cereal box, then it's going to yeah. end up super soggy no matter what, because of like, because you're getting the slurry, all the dust, the slurry. all the slurry, but there's some, there's beauty in the slurry. I will say. There's beauty in the slurry. Mm. That should be our new song. <laughs> there's no more no forgetting the way to say there's beauty in this lyric. Um, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope you uh, have, have enjoyed yourself and you're, you're relaxed. If you were trying to sleep, I hope you're not hearing this, uh, except subconsciously, obviously. Um, Dan, who else do we have to thank? Uh, we'd like to thank Chris Zabriskie for our opening theme of The Sun is Scheduled to Come Out Tomorrow, Bria Davis for our podcast branding, as well as Samuel Rardin for a recent empty bowl enamel pin. That's uh, that's gonna do it for us for for this week. So, until next time, when we wish you a fond, uh, don't forget to drink the milk. There's be- I thought we were gonna say don't. there's beauty in the slurry, man. But you're okay. Yeah, let's we're gonna change it. We'll, let's change it next week. Okay, <laughs> we'll see if we'll we can remember. Clean. We'll get it clean. <laughs>